When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Something Get you some facts right here Get you some facts Hello, hello, hello and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you're listening and you're having a good time, Please think about subscribing, leaving us a review, telling a friend, all of that jazz. We love it. We're trying to spread it and just share all this great music. Today, we have an absolute legend with us on the show. Multi-Grammy winning, longtime frontman of the band Asleep at the Wheel, Ray Benson joins us. We talked to Ray about his long career working with artists such as Willie Nelson and the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks. Ray was recently honored by the fine folks at Austin City Limits celebrating his 50 years in the industry. It is a great special that you can watch on acltv.com, and I highly recommend it. So please, please enjoy Ray Benson. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm, I'm super appreciative of it, Ray. I'm super excited about what you guys have going on. I just want to ask you right off the bat, as we're celebrating, you know, your 50 years of leading the sleep at the wheel on Austin City Limits coming up here, have you always felt at home on that stage? Well, yeah, we did the first show. Yeah. 1975, Willie Nelson had done the pilot. So, yeah, you know, and then over the years, you know, I've done like 12, oh God, so many appearances. I know 12 of them and then two specials or three specials and uh, many uh, appearances on there. So, yeah, feel very comfortable there. It did. It's now moved to the bigger stage. Yeah. Well, you guys had started in West Virginia, right? You spent your first, what, the band kind of started First there. couple of years in West Virginia, yeah, and then we moved to California, uh, the Bay Area, Oakland, Berkeley area, and uh, then we made it down to Austin, Texas, and uh, you know, end of '72, beginning '73. Is that where you still are? Yeah, yeah, been here for 48 years. You've seen some growth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not happy about that, but you know, can't stop. Progress. It's also, from my understanding, it's one of the places that's like the founders of the the tiny house movement is in Austin. Very much, yeah. The uh, food trailers and tiny a tiny house, you know, for sure. 
it's a place I haven't been to, but it's always a place I've really wanted to go, mainly for the festival um, that they have there every October. So it's something that I need to do because that usually falls right around my birthday. Um, you've got a single off of your first record, and it's a song that's kind of been a staple for you, which is Take Me Back to Tulsa by Bob Wills. I'm kind of curious, why has that song been with you for so long? Uh, well, it, it, we're so well suited to playing it. Mm -hmm. It was our first really uh, uh, commercial single back in 1973. Yeah. So, and it's like I say, it's fun to play. <laughs> A lot yeah. of fun. Is is Bob Wills, is that just someone that you grew up with and you just got these songs ingrained in you so you've just been playing them no, for so long? No, 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 no. Oh, really? No, I didn't discover Bob Wills until 19, until I was like uh, 16 or 17. And um, just fell in love with the approach to the music and the uh, style. And uh, that along with many other things, uh, uh, influences you know but that was certainly a big one yeah when you became when you started writing some of your own songs you know one of the first ones that i ever heard was um the letter that johnny walker wrote and i just johnny walker you, read johnny walker read <laughs> yeah. because um, it's about the liquor is called johnny walker red is a scotch over the rocks he was drunk too drunk to care when a girl from the bar walked up beside him, and this is what she said. She said, a woman came by with a letter for you, and this is what the letter said. Dear John, please, Tony, please come home. Well, that's great. So give me a little bit, because I believe this song was originally rejected. Is that right? Oh, yeah, you ain't kidding. And so can you kind of give me a little bit of background on that? Well, uh, Commander Cody's brother, Commander Cody and his lost by entertainment, uh, Chris Frayne, had the line. He came to me in Leroy and said, hey, got a great line for a country western song. So uh, we wrote it, and then we sent it to uh, Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton in the mail. We didn't know them. We just put a cassette <laughs> in the mail, and they didn't do it. So... Um, so we did, um, and we did a demo of it for the then record company, uh, CBS Records, and they didn't like it, so they dropped us. <laughs> so anyway, it was a top 10 hit record, or only top 10 record in the radio world, you know. So um, what about, so you guys sent it off hoping that somebody else was going to record it? Is that something you guys have done in the past as well with other songs? No. <laughs> we were young and... and stupid <laughs> <laughs> okay well i like that so in your um 50 years as a band 
I mean, one of the things that's so remarkable about you guys is how you have, what have you had? You've had like mm-hmm. 90 to 100 different musicians just in your band. Yeah. And then you've played with so many people. I mean, Lyle Lovett, you've got Willie Nelson, and then more recently, one of my personal favorite current bands is the Avett Brothers. And yeah. um, I guess as a performer, would you have it any other way? No, no. This is, you know, the, the my goal as a young musician was to play with better musicians or people that I admired. Yeah. And boy, that's come true. So, you know, that's that's great you know <laughs> what what is it about that mixing it up do you think that that's been something that's always just kind of pushed you as a musician to keep getting better oh yeah 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 every day you know where i'm sitting here there's a guitar over there a car over there a piano over there a ukulele over there and yeah always trying to get better and of course having uh the uh the ability to uh, to um, collaborate is just the biggest compliment anybody could ever give uh, me or you or anybody. In other yeah. words, person says, "Hey, I want to want to uh, join you in this uh, pursuit of, of uh, jamming or creating." So, yeah, it's the greatest of feeling uh, for me, anyway. Yeah, where did you find yourself more comfortable touring or um, in the studio? No, um, I don't think I couldn't say, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I miss touring now since we haven't toured since March. Yeah. We played six shows since March, you know, um, now we're doing a bunch more coming up. So I miss being on the road right now, but when I'm on the road, I miss being able to create in the studio and, and also on the road, I have less time to write because you're always just getting ready for the next show. Yep. Um, so obviously we're talking here about 50 years of, of playing music. And in that time, you've had eight wins and a total of 27 Grammy nominations from my last look, um, which is absolutely incredible. So a lot of this stuff kind of came from your work as an instrumentalist. And so I'm wondering if you can say anything about the secret to writing an award-winning instrumental piece like String of Pars, which I just love. Yeah, thanks. Well, unfortunately, the uh, the music business, filled with such upstanding people, decided <laughs> um, a number of years ago to eliminate all the awards for instrumental, mm-hmm. uh, country music, rock and roll, etc. So we will no longer win any of those awards. Not that I care, because I've got more than my share of awards. Plus, it's nine Grammys, actually ten, but who's counting? Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, uh, But it's... Um, you know, it really disturbs me because instrumental music is the lifeblood of uh, of 
music. Yeah. Uh, you you can't you can't play a song without instruments, <laughs> mm-hmm. and instrumental music also uh, puts a premium on melodies and structure as opposed to lyrics. Yep. The lyrics are absolutely very important. I mean, they're they're the, you know they're the lifeblood of popular music, but um, the fact that on the radio on every format in today's world you will not hear an instrumental and you go back to the 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s even into the 80s and you would hear instrumental music on the hit parade or top 40 or whatever yeah and to me it's just a crime of the music business to have done away with this in terms of writing it's for a musician it's the simplest thing for me to do uh, melodies are just come out of my head and my hands and my ears all day. Okay, so you're just one of those lucky souls. <laughs> yeah, for melodies, words are a little harder. Words yeah. uh, are uh, poetry and or communicative, whatever. So that's, to me, the hardest uh, to really write relevant, uh, hard-hitting lyrics. Yeah. And what what... So around 1970, when you guys get together, what are, what are you guys listening to at that time that just says we're either hearing something that we want to go and, and be a part of or there's something that we're not hearing that we think the music industry needs? Well, we, ours was a look back in 1969, 1970, when we formulated the idea for this band, uh, so much of the um, past was being forgotten and and discarded yeah uh, what we call roots roots americana music you know yep. um and you know you, you can look just look where you are the uh, in the middle 60s the english were were uh, uh, very adept at at bringing back forgotten american music that america had forgotten about like the Definitely. rolling stones especially the beatles uh, etc um and uh revitalized popular music by their look back and then reinterpreting what they had uh, mm-hmm. uh, experienced before. So, you know, that seems to me the the, the case um, with us. We wanted to bring back the roots American music that had that were the roots of the popular music of the day, and reinvigorate them with our own uh, personality and talent. You know? Yeah. Do you think that you would place? a group of musicians like the band, the band that's called The Band, would they be Americana to you? Absolutely. Yeah, Ameri- uh, The Band, one of the greatest bands I ever saw. And, and I knew the fellas, you know, they, they, uh, Rick Danko and, um, and, and uh, Richard Manuel uh, were, were friends of mine. Um, okay. I didn't know Robbie well. I did not know I met Garth and I loved him. They were just brilliant. It, yes, yeah. they they were, I think, a prototype Americana band, for sure. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. 
The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. My thought when I was just kind of digging into the history of, of you and seeing when you came around was, you know, I assume that the like the definitive 1970 date is a little bit loose and that there was some stuff going on leading up to that. But my my original thought was, OK, Big Pink kind of came out in 68, I think it was, and that maybe something like that hit you guys and you're like, OK, here's some guys doing something a little bit more throwback. And we want to do something like this, but maybe add a little bit more of a country twang to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, the band, the band, was never a prototype for me. I just thought they were one of the great bands of yeah. all time. Period. And uh, like I say, some of the great singers, some of the greatest songs, and of course, their collaboration with Dylan was obviously had a huge imprint on what they were. You know? Yeah. But they went back to you know. To Ronnie Hawkins and mm-hmm. and, and uh, Roadhouse bands, uh, and in that respect, yeah, because we were always a Roadhouse band, uh, you know, for many years, and still occasionally, although the the scenes have certainly changed, and we play more concerts, festivals, and performing arts centers now than we do did uh, uh, back then. Yeah, yeah, the Ronnie Hawkins that kind of stuff that they were doing even in like the late 50s and early 60s and when i started learning about that band i was i was really impressed to learn that i think three out of them were or maybe more than that were canadian they weren't even americans except for levon yeah no no uh, yeah levon was the only one but they went down to uh, helena arkansas and uh and, and cut their chops you know but again you know canada and, and america I mean, in terms of music you know, country music, Hank Snow's from Canada. There's a huge country music, you know, uh, scene from between, you know, folk music, Ian Tyson, et cetera. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're separated by a very, very uh, nebulous border. Uh, and it's, it's funny because you, you be a Canadian, you must know about Canadian content. Yeah. The fact that uh, Canada was smart enough to, uh, to protect their, their indigenous, you know, a music community. Yeah. Well, the, the the border doesn't block radio waves. <laughs> so <laughs> CKLW up there in uh, Windsor was Detroit, and, and uh, so you know the you know you know we're all you know obviously both Canadians and Americans are very uh, you know much distinct in their view of who they are, but musically. We're one. We're one big country for sure. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And it's, I'm kind of wondering about your. As I started to like read into it, I'm I get a little bit, just your time in the '90s seemed to be heavy into the collaborations because you were bringing in stuff with like Tim McGraw, Dixie Chicks. I think that's when you kind of got with Lyle Lovett and stuff and. Were there any of those songs or collaborations that really just stuck out to you? Especially, I can't, can I call them the Dixie Chicks anymore? The Chicks. That's, that, you know, what you did with them I thought was really, really great. And I'm just wondering if that time was just a memorable time for you. Well, yeah, you know, I knew the Dixie Chicks before they were the Dixie Chicks. So it was like, you know, uh, before Natalie joined them. Oh, okay. They used to work in my, yeah, they used to work in my studio. Um, and, um, Indirectly, uh, we were responsible for the c- 
current lineup because old Lloyd Maines, the Natalie's dad, worked in our studio and he took my engineer up to Dallas to do a record, brought Natalie with him, and, and that's how she met the chicks. Oh, okay. But um, they, uh, yeah, it was, well, see, they had done that song in, in uh, you know, as the Dixie Chicks. So when I had the Bob Wills tribute album, I said, hey, let's just do that when you already have an arrangement. It's, it's very unique and we'll add our little thing to it, you know, and uh, yeah, and I helped get them their agent, you know, when they were just getting going and we would put them on shows, you know, open yeah. it up for us. And so, uh, you know, we had a, a friendly, a good family friendly relationship with them. Yeah, you kind of took on a role as a, you know, you've, you've obviously branched out as being more than the the leader of Asleep at the Wheel, and you've done quite a bit of producing. And I've, I recently interviewed um, Susie Bagas, who you helped produce. What album did you do with her? What was it called? Swing or, I don't know, I can't remember, but it was a wonderful album of um, standards and uh, newly written standards. <laughs> a monkey for a ride in the air the monkey thought that everything was on the square the buzzer tried to throw the monkey off of his back but the monkey grabbed his neck and said now listen jack straighten up and fly right straighten up and fly right she's so talented she did a song she performed live like how we're doing it she just grabbed her guitar and did a song right on the on the zoom and i was just floored by it she just has her voice hasn't lost a step yeah, she's got a pure, very pure voice. It's just lovely. Uh, um, a big fan and a good friend. You know. Okay, great. Um, and I'm going to kind of jump back into the Austin City Limits stuff here because I am wondering, what does it mean to you to have been inducted into the ACL Hall of Fame in 2015 and now to have the folks paying tribute to your 50th year as a band? Well, Austin City Limits meant so much to me. You know, it's... Um, they're, you know, uh, that was our introduction to the world, basically. Was yeah. Or the shows that we did in the 70s, that was our introduction. And then later on, they were, they enabled us to, um, you know, to do these really special shows that, uh, that uh, were um, uh, tribute shows, etc. You know, they just gave me a real palette to, uh, to be able to, uh, showcase all the different crazy ideas I had. Yeah. What was the, was that, were those shows similar to what people would expect to see if you were just touring anywhere around the States or the globe at any point in time? Because it seems like things were done so tight. When you go back and watch them, everybody knows exactly when their solo is going to come up. And I'm just wondering what the preparation was going into those. 
No, the whole concept of sleep of of Austin City Limits was uh, you get up on stage and do what you do every night. Really? There, you know, no, there's no, there's no. Yeah, that's just that was the whole idea. I remember Willie saying to me, Willie Nelson says, um, "We just wanted a show where we could get up and play music for thirty minutes or an hour and not have to tell golf jokes with Bob Hope." <laughs> and that's it. Just this is what we do every night. Yeah, and here it is. Turn on the camera, start the tape machine, and, and let it roll. I love it. I love going back and seeing some of those early shows where you just got the crowd in front of you just sitting on the floor, and then, you know, it starts to pick up energy-wise, and people get up and start doing the line dance and a different dance, and it had to be such a unique place to play. Yeah, yeah. The um, the I got, I got a chance to see what's coming out at the end of October here, and it ends with this hyped-up version of Cotton-Eyed Joe, what made you want to record that song? Well, we played it every night in the yeah. dance halls. And as you notice, all, all the, if you're in Texas, they pretty much know that yeah. that's the dance, the Cotton Eye Joe. And it's not a line dance. It's a partner dance or it's a, you know, you know lie, but it is not a line dance. That's different. Um, that That's why, because that's who we were and that's who we are when we play a dance hall. We're going to do yep. the Cotton Eye Joe. And then it got me, that got me wondering if you've got any thoughts on the fact that that song is now, that it, it's so deeply rooted in the Americana music. I think it's been around since like the mid 1800s or something like that. But now it's being blasted at sporting events as, as like this techno tune. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that progression of that song. Oh, oh! You're talking about rednecks, yeah, yeah. That's that was a European thing. Well, they so, took it to a whole nother level. That was some European group that uh, it was. Uh, I don't know if it's another level. It certainly was, you know, a gimmicky thing. I don't know. I have no idea. I, when I heard that, I was like, "What the?" <laughs> yeah, hell I, I was able to through Wikipedia. I was able to jump over to that, and you're right, rednecks with an X, and then it's the Swedish band that just took it and made it electronic, which I was. I'd never known that. I just figured that somebody just sampled yeah. the crap out of a bunch of stuff and then did it some other way. Um, so you've said recently in an interview that you are currently writing, singing, playing better than you ever have. Um, so what can you know, fans like me, fans that are out there, what can they expect coming up? Well, we're almost done a new album. It's uh, with the... You know, the new singer is Katie Shore. She's well; she's been with me six years, but um, she's the other singer. And um, so, anyway, we're finishing that up, um, and uh, that's pretty much it. It's uh, it's. I, I wrote a song called "Half a Hundred Years," and uh, it's that's the title of the album. And it, that's a, the new single and video that will come out. I don't know when. Yeah. Probably in the spring. You know, we're sort of waiting, hoping for uh, some sort of, um, not a break, but uh, a, a better situation so that uh, with the COVID stuff, so that when the, re when the record comes out, we can go out and perform. That seems to be, you know, a lot of the people that I'm talking to right now who have records coming out and just couldn't delay them or were expected to be on tour right now and things like that, that's just... It's the common theme with musicians right now is we just want to get out and play these songs for, for the people because that's what drives us. It makes us want to create more. And I think that what you were saying earlier about 
being on the road, you can't you kind of want to go somewhere and be in a studio so that you can create, but you kind of need that time away in order to get re-energized and go and do it. And as a fan of music and someone who is typically going out and seeing live music locally three or four nights a week, I'm, I'm ready for it too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like I say, we understand we're in uh, different times, but, uh, hopefully this will pass and we're hoping by the spring of 2021 or the summer of 2021, that things will be back to sort of normal. Obviously, uh, it'll never be yeah. the same, but we're hoping that, uh, large crowds of people can gather safely uh, and have a good time together again. Well, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time this morning and I just want to thank you sincerely for spending some time with me and being willing to relive some of this amazing history of yours and, and much continued success, Ray. Well, it's been a, a, a great journey. And like I say, it, uh, I'm still, uh, got plenty more to do and I'm, my goal is to stay healthy and get on out and keep playing. And let's hope he does just that. Such a big thank you to Ray, giving us some of his time, and congratulations on such an amazing career. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Thank you so much. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.